Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Roger here with Elias again. Big week. Big day, I guess. Sure. Huge day. I called it Thanksgiving, and I called it Thanksgiving to somebody earlier. I'm thankful for this day. Valentine's. Me too. How much are you going to spend? I have no idea. I don't know. I Whatever Maddie wants to do, that's what we're going to do. So so we're going to get into some Valentine's Day spending, but it made me think of something. It's an article I just read on, uh, I think it was CNBC where I saw this article. But it it's talking about how the quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Kind of interesting, isn't it? No kidding. People are out of money. Like, it's not cool to buy stuff if we can't afford it because last November credit cards were hit the highest amount ever. There's no more stimulus checks. So now we're going to talk about loud budgeting on TikTok. It's primarily being driven on TikTok. But the article actually really talks about how people are really having to change their buying habits and how to actually do that. And I thought these are actually good tips because I know people who every night shop online. Like, it's almost like their hobby. And you know what it got me thinking about, Elias? Advertising companies and advertisement agencies are the most efficient they've ever been. Why is that? Just because they can just it's get, all targeting. get you, it right Elias, in front of you? You don't even know you're being advertised to and you are. I love it, though. Because it's all the stuff that you like. Right. So I like, I like the targeted marketing of nowadays because I don't see ads that aren't or irrelevant to me. I only see stuff that I like. But what happens when marketing is this effective? Eventually, they know you're going to buy. They're going to hit the hot button at the right time. There was an event. There was some reason you needed to have it. You're like, yep, I need that right now. Yeah. And you don't. And here's the other thing that got me thinking about. A couple years ago, when everybody was predicting recessions, you came to me and talked about a phrase you'd either created or heard and just said, you know, If you're not long on the U.S. stock market, you think American companies are going to get worse at making money. I say that a lot. What they do is they innovate. And this is what's happened in the advertising and marketing space. These companies have innovated, become way more efficient and probably less money. I'm going to guess it's a lot less money per impression to advertise on social media to a captive audience of people who want that product versus go advertising the big game that was just last week oh certainly certainly and yeah it's got to be it's got to be way more effective than putting an ad in the newspaper like you would have 20 years ago well for sure because you don't know yeah you don't one you don't you're that's like a blanket ad right well it's just going to go to everyone who has this newspaper subscription whether they are in the market for whatever you're advertising lawnmower refrigerator whatever it might be okay so this is how we know it's really effective this is in usa today america's four largest automakers forego the big game ads for the first time in decades 23 years since ford toyota gm and chrysler haven't bought an ad for the big game. Think about that. Well, they, pro- they probably know that they can just advertise on social media and people are going to be watching the game and be on their phone at the same they time. They know, Elias, if you want huh. an electric Ford truck or if you want a diesel 
Chevrolet truck. And that's all it's going to advertise for you. And if you aren't into that, they're just going to completely ignore you. Because why would they try to market to you if you're not in the market for that? That's how you, if and now if they the NFL can, has to lower their price on advertising for the Super Bowl because of all these ways you can just target market to people, that's really powerful. To think yeah. that, okay, so these car companies, they're not doing it. Well, now that they did, now that they said, no, nope, we're not willing to spend that much. How many other companies are going to say, well, maybe we shouldn't spend that kind of money on a commercial and we can just blast it right to their phone through different channels? It's exactly what's going to happen. But that goes to the point of why individuals who primarily are on social media, which is everybody, let's be honest, everybody at some levels on social media, unless you're like over 75. I only know two people that don't have any social media. Well, I know one person who didn't use social media. And now they're one of the biggest contributors on social media that I know. They're on there like five times a day. And five years ago, they refused to be on it. So people change. But point is, it's why people are having to shift their buying habits because it's just way too easy, easy to buy it. Think about, think about 20, I'll use myself 25 years ago. I'm into the outdoor activities. If I wanted to order something for fishing, I would literally have to go to the Cabela's catalog, the big paper catalog, flip the pages, dial the 800 number, talk to the lady on the other side of the dial or, or guy. This is the number I want. And, and it's an amount of effort. Now you can just hit buy now and it's at your house in three days. It's amazing. But that's why people are starting to talk about locking down their budget because it's really easy for all of your money to creep out. We've talked about in the past, most people's budgets don't get blown up by the big purchase. It gets blown up 30 and $40 at a time. Yeah. It's all the, it's all those little Brown, Brown packages that show up on the doorstep. Even though people are starting to tighten up the reins per se, it doesn't look like people are going to tighten up all that much for, for Valentine's day. No, people think, I thought it was interesting. Some of this data is saying that people think because of inflation, they're going to spend less money, but who, who that's in a, either in a relationship or married, who's going to just, oh, inflation's been too high, honey. We're not doing Valentine's day. Good luck with that conversation. It may go from buying gifts to a fancier dinner. But it's not like not doing it. I mean, it's right? Like, if you're in yeah, a committed the relationship, is a fifty percent cut in spending. That's not going to happen. Well, I mean, you start to look at the numbers. On average, the consumer is expecting to spend about one hundred eighty-five dollars each. That's a couple three hundred seventy bucks. Which actually, that's a little that's a little higher than I thought. I was expecting that number to be um, lower. To be honest with you. Because I think there's a lot of married couples that maybe don't do gifts and do a fancy dinner. But then I guess you have the people like we're going to, um, we're headed to Miami for Valentine's Day. Not for Valentine's Day, but for a different reason. But we're going to parlay that into Valentine's Day. Yeah, so you're pulling up the average. Yeah, I'm going to pull the average up. But uh, top gift ideas for this year. This is actually candy's the top gift idea. 
if I brought home a box of chocolates to my wife for Valentine's Day, she'd be like, what? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a gift idea if you're like 17. The candy? That's, well, not, that's well, the best wife, part. Well, yeah, I love the candy, but can that be the primary gift? No. I mean, no. I think you'd be better off getting some flowers with a box of candy. But if your lead gift here for Valentine's is candy. Flowers is what, that's what my wife likes. Flowers. So easy. And if you're a man listening, it doesn't matter if you think flowers are a waste of money. It's what they like. Send them flowers. Mm -hmm. Jewelry, 22% of the people are going to get jewelry. But this year, there's four categories that are expected to set records. So you mentioned people think they're going to spend 50% less, but we're expected to hit record sales in these four categories. Spending $6.4 billion on jewelry. That doesn't surprise me. Flowers, $2.6 billion, and $3 billion on clothing. And we're expected as an economy to spend just under $5 billion on food. I'm looking at this graph. Why Why was there such a – there was a huge jump in Valentine's Day spending in 2020. Why would that – You been? don't know why? But that Valentine's Day 2020 would have been before the pandemic because it would have been in February. We didn't shut down until March. Hmm. Well, maybe we were hitting a peak and a crescendo, and then it all kind of got squashed the next year because a lot of stuff wasn't open. I'm not sure. That That's pretty good insight, actually. I don't know. Was everybody preparing to get locked down? I don't think I so. I mean, I remember I flew to New Orleans. I left, like, February 22nd, and nothing had shut down yet. But I remember flying home, and people were coughing and being sick but you're right nothing was shut down I, I don't know why that was so high but i don't think people are going to spend less i just don't think they're going to people say they will but they won't unless their credit cards are maxed out but it, it all goes to you know people who don't have a grasp on their budget and what they're spending don't really know where they're going are you ready to take control of your financial future the financial professionals at Premier Investments and Wealth Management are the guides you've been looking for. Picture this, a financial plan tailored exclusively to you. Our team of experienced professionals will work closely with you to understand your aspirations and develop a personalized roadmap to get you there. Whether you're dreaming of retirement, buying a new home, or sending your kids to college, we've got the tools to give you confidence in your financial life. We'll help you navigate saving and investing, retirement income, and tax strategies. Our job is not just about making money. It's about helping our clients make smart choices. We'll provide you with the tools and knowledge to confidently steer your financial ship toward a brighter future. Are you ready to embark on your financial journey with confidence? Visit www.btwealthshow.com or click the link in the description of this podcast. Your financial future awaits. It makes me think a little bit about this Dan Sullivan book. You remember, you know who Dan Sullivan is, right? He's the uh, strategic coach. Jonas brought him to our attention. But he actually wrote a short book called The Gap and the Gain, co-authored by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. It's about how people look at progress. And I, I think this is insightful because I never really thought about it this way until I, I went through and, and read this. So many people only think about where they are and what the end result is. And the end result, we all as a society want the end result 
instantly. But that's really not how you get to that end result. No. No, and you should give yourself credit for the progress, which I think is kind of one of the underlying ideas of this. Instead of thinking about how far away you are from achieving whatever goal it is, you should think about, to the progress that you've made. And I, I think I think one thing that this lends itself to is uh, consistency. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about how, you know, we like the older we get, the more we're agreeing that being consistent is the most important thing. Because we were talking about careers, working out, all this stuff. Even if, if you just think about like working out, a lot of people – you know, you, you go to the gym and you get this intense workout in. Well, you're better off just going to the gym five days a week and having a good workout for 25 or 30 minutes than you are going once a week and doing a really intense 60-minute workout. And I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with this of if you're thinking about the progress I'm making because I'm being consistent – and focus on that instead of, well, okay, I'm still the gap, right? What they're talking about. I'm still this far away from achieving it. If you just keep being consistent, you're going to get there. And it's same thing in finance. A lot of little things along the way are going to add up over time. This is the exact reason the debt snowball works better than the debt avalanche. Because Yeah, that's a good point. It's why it works, because psychologically, the gain is so far, so far away, most people give up before they get there. But if if you focus on instead of where you are today versus the ideal scenario, you focus on what you've done positive to get there, you'll get there faster. So think about this. OK, I want to save a million dollars. Well, if you've been chugging away a thousand bucks a month for 10 years, you're not even close you're like, man, this is never going to happen. But if you say, hey, man, I've saved $100,000, I'm getting it done, that's going to be encouraging. Same thing with paying off debt. I just met with someone that had some credit card debt. And I said, well, let's just figure out how to do this slowly over time and concentrate on the things we've done good. And I started showing her how the debt snowball works. And she goes, oh, man, that's $450 a month we clear up. Well, we could apply $450 the next one. That one will be paid off in three months. And she's starting to visualize this versus saying, how do I pay off this $20,000? Yeah, it was, it was all from step, a medical one bill. One step at a time. Yeah, and this yeah. wasn't like she ran these credit cards up. It was literally from an unexpected medical emergency that she needed to take care of. So I said, well, great. Let's just figure out a way to get out of this. But Dan Sullivan in this book, I think there's some insights. He suggests that those who are focusing on the small wins and what I've accomplished versus the ideal scenario, they have less anxiety, they're more confident, they have less disappointment, less depression, but that's not what most people do. Most people are only focused on the end result. So I think the story of this is in investing in life, focus on the small things and the small wins, and it's going to add up to much more fulfillment and the ability to get to the ultimate goal because most ultimate goals don't just happen overnight. Like they just don't. Nothing good happens in 24 hours if it's a big goal. No, they don't. And I think it's also, I think this, the other thing I was thinking about is this really lends itself to a more positive mindset, which I think is very important, especially 
you know, really a spe- in like an environment like today where we all have um, social media. So we're always constantly seeing the best of everyone's life, right? Like people don't go on, you, you would never like me, am I going to go on social media and share a video of my five-year-old son having a temper tantrum? Or am I going to share a video of him like on his sled doing something cool and having fun? Like I'm not going to show everyone the negative, right? So I think in this like world of we're always seeing all this messaging of, oh, everything's great, everything's great. When you're like when you're working on your finances or yourself, like keep in mind if you have a positive outlook about, okay, yeah, I set out to do X. I'm not doing X, but I'm doing half of that. That's still an achievement in itself that you can be proud of. It's not just, you know, it's not all or nothing, I guess. I think you should start a YouTube channel. With all the stuff your kids mess up on, I bet people would watch it. Oh, I'm sure they would. Well, it's niche marketing. You just, this is my family fails. Yeah. Start a, yeah, do it. Yeah, just, this is all the stuff we mess up on. Family fails. Yeah. So, like, if I would have been videoing the other day when our five-year-old jumped off the couch and landed on the one-and-a-half-year-old and then the little boy, he hit his face on the bookshelf and now he's a big mark, like, put that on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, make sure you don't do stuff that's going to get you in trouble, but, uh, <laughs> you know I didn't I mean. jump on him. Well, another part of this is something called the money gap trap, and I think this is good, and we're particularly prone to this gap thinking when it comes to money management, when we accumulate assets and financial goals. And part of the reason is people move the goalpost all the time. So when someone says, hey, I want to get a million dollar net worth, and once they get a million dollar net worth, well, do they just stop? No, they move the goalpost. They're like, well, now I want five. Whoa. And it's actually what makes people that have a lot of money sometimes less happy. Everybody thinks if I hit the goal, I'm going to be happy. You're just, financially, you'll probably just move the goalpost and you'll be exactly where you were and you had 250,000. You'll feel more confident with a million, but now you're like, I need five or 10 or whatever the number becomes because we're constantly moving the goalposts. And that's where if you live in the gap, you focus on what you've accomplished. Hey, I got to accumulate a million dollars in my 401k at school versus saying, well, now I need five. You got to figure out how to it's live probably, in the moment. Yeah, and be happy that's hard to do. Got. It's probably that's hard to do, right? Because you're always going to want more, or feel like it's not enough. Well, it just goes back to a couple of things. Like more doesn't mean happier, and it reminds me of this the episode we did last week on lifestyle creep. That's like a form of lifestyle creep. Well, I was good with a million, but I'm not good with that anymore. Now it needs to be five. And the only reason you're not good with the million anymore is you accumulated more money, you've got more stuff, and now you want to have lifestyle creep in there. So now you need five. It's not that you you actually probably need five now because you're living a different lifestyle. That's lifestyle creep. Yeah, and the reality the reality is you probably whether it's a million or five, any like at one point you're happier with a lot less, right? Like anyone who's achieved that at one point, you probably had nothing to your name and you're probably perfectly happy with that. Most you people probably are pretty happy some, in college. They have nothing. Yeah. I mean, most think about college how students are in a pretty good mood. Think about how college kids live. They live on like 
the lowest possible. They live their they live their best life. That's not, for sure. Okay, not all college kids live in poverty, but most kids are not living high on the hog in college. I know I wasn't. I know what my I do know what my monthly budget was, and it's like you know when you're going out with your friends, it's like if you get twenty five bucks, it's a pretty good night. I was uh, I was bougie broke back then. Did you catch well, that bougie Did broke? You catch, it was, that phrase was in the article. It's bougie broke. No, it's like it's bougie broke. I don't know. You like you don't have any money, but you still spend it on stuff, and it's bougie broke. I guess you're broke, but you got some. It sounds nice like stuff. Visa broke to me. Yeah, well, it was actually like, I think it actually meant something about like almost for scarcity too was part of it, but I guess that's bougie broke. So Elias, you know, 2024 for us is the year of personalized advice. And and one of the things we want to do on the podcast is take a piece of common advice and instead of focusing on why you should do it, we're going to challenge it. And this week, I thought this would be a good one because this is really commonly heard out there. And that's the, we're going to talk about the 50, 30, 20 budget. And for those of you who don't know what the 50, 30, 20 budget is, it's a way to allocate your dollars between your needs, your wants, and your savings. So in this budget, 50% would go to needs, 30% to wants, 20% to savings. Give me a little insight on on challenging this and why you don't think this would necessarily be the optimal way to do a budget, and I'll kind of share my my thoughts as well. Well, there's a lot of okay when you when you start to just talk about needs and fifty percent of money on needs. Well, this is really going to be driven by where you live. Right, like the cost of living where you live is going to drive this. Because if you live, if you live in a city where it co- to live in a nice neighborhood, the houses cost X, and the maybe you have to do private school, and that costs this. Well, your needs might just be more than fifty percent of the budget. Well, um, let me you back could, you up for a second. You said two things. What a nice house will cost this, and private schools cost this. A nice house. And private schools, neither one of those are needs. Those are those would needs. fall into okay. the want category. Well, no, here's why. If there's public school available, that's what you need. And this is where society gets it wrong, too. Public school is what's needed. Doesn't mean it's good where you're at. Private school would be a want. Okay. Hey, we want to get our kid into a better school. Right. Okay. So... I can see it. I can see both ways where one, maybe your needs are more than that. But then also, what if you can, what if you can get the percentage of money you have to spend on needs to like 30 or 40% of your overall budget? Like what would stop you from saving more or spending things on lifestyle items? I don't know. Cause I think no matter where, to your point, no matter where you live, you can find a way to, it might not, you know, you can find a way to drive down the cost of your needs, I guess, by having like a house. Maybe you don't live in the neighborhood you want to live in, but you have a, when I say nice, I mean like you're not getting rained on when it's raining outside. Yeah. Let's let, roof over your head. That's reliable. The, here's the problem with this. This is why this stinks right away. What's a need and what's a want. 
That was kind of what yeah, I was it's getting at. It's got to be different like, for everyone. It's different for everybody. So it's already wrong because what one person believes is a need and one person believes is a, a one or two different things. Yeah. So are vehicles in the needs category in this? Or well, what? yeah, vehicle is in the need, but how much? Right? Like you have to have a vehicle in today's society. Well, how much is that? How much you, because well, when even you lump if, it in with all your other needs, it can't be more than 50%. There you go. So that's why this, this, this kind of advice is just garbage. What you need to do is take a look at your unique situation and figure out, Hey, I believe first line item should be saving money, right? Is it 20%? I don't know. Guess how you find out you put together a financial plan. You can go to btwellshow.com, click the link in the description. We can help you do that. But that's the first step is to put together a plan, get an idea of, Hey, this is how much money I make. This is how much money I need to save to be successful. Then all of this other stuff will start to take shape in your budget. But to just say 50% has to be a needs and 30% on wants. Well, what if you don't want to eat out and you don't want to travel? Well, maybe your needs could be higher or your savings could be higher. It's just this kind of blanket advice is just kind of dangerous. Like, I don't know anybody who does a budget like this, by the way. No. Like breaks it into needs and wants. I saw this on TikTok. I'm like, this is silliness. And if, because it's well, all right. subjective. Guess, yeah, another question I would have is if you have the lifestyle you want, but you're saving 40% of your income, like why would you, you know, why would you manipulate it to do something different? I mean, that'd be a super high savings rate, but if you're, if you have a really high savings rate and you have the lifestyle you want, like this rule, like this would tell you to save less. Well, why would you at that point? Why would you save less? This is where I really like Jonas's book. I do. The Which no budget one? lifestyle. The upside down retirement. No, or? the no budget lifestyle. Oh, and and it's not because there's no budget. The budget's based around your lifestyle. It's unique to each and every individual person. Some and if you haven't read the book, you can go to our website and get it. But think about it. So. You mentioned when we, I, I kind of set you up for that question, by the way, because I knew where I was going to go with it. But you said, hey, private schools need to have a private school. In your family, if you lived in like a large metro area, private school's a need for you. It's not a want because it's what's important to your family. Yes. Like you I just would, want to clear everything yeah. up. That's not a need in my family going to private school. No, I'm saying there's areas of the country though where people would view that as a need as well. Right. That's why yeah. this stinks. Like where I live now, the public schools are better than the private schools, in my opinion. That's not a bash on the private schools. I just our public schools are very good here. If I lived in a large metro inner city area, that may or may not be the case. And then in my world, my budget, that's a need, not a want anymore. So that's why, you know, you need to design your budget around your unique lifestyle. For us, and this is how I tell people you should do it or guide people, hey, the first line item in the budget should be you. Not your mortgage, not private school, not your car, you. I'm going to save X amount of dollars. If you don't know what that number should be, get a financial plan. It's the easiest way to do it. And then once you know what you need to save, then everything else comes to light. Like, okay, well, what if your needs are 25%? That means you could spend, say you're saving 15, your needs are 25, that's 40. You get to spend 60% in your wants. 
that sounds pretty awesome. Your hobby, vacations, everything comes to light if you have a really personalized budget. So on today's show, we just wanted to talk about this advice that this is what you should do. This isn't what you should do. You should figure out what your savings number needs to be to be successful and then design the rest of the budget about what's important to you, your family, your lifestyle, and, and how you want to enjoy your life, knowing that our retirement savings is taken care of. Elias, what, what, what's your number one takeaway from today's show? I mean, what do you think what we talked about today is most important for people to kind of wrap their head around and, and take away, you know, I know we do a lot of these shows and sometimes it's just a lot of information. And I learned a long time ago that the goal when you're learning isn't to learn everything. It's to take one or two key things away that you can take and implement in your, in your individual life. What's your, what's your takeaway from today's show? Well, the, I think one thing I was encouraged by with the the loud budgeting they're calling it on TikTok. I think any sort of any sort of uh, promotion of people being aware of their budget, how they're spending their money, the things they're doing, I think is a good thing. Um, so I thought that was encouraging. And then the other thing I really liked about this show was the gap versus the gain mentality. I think people sometimes are too hard on themselves where you, it, it's okay to celebrate your progress. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's not the end goal, but it's okay to feel good and positive about progress you're making, whether it's personally, professionally, or financially. And I think the more of those things you can do, the better result you're going to have and the, the more successful of an investor that you can be and the more successful you can be with your money. You hit it on the head with the gap versus the gain. And I think a lot of people right now are feeling the pain of trying to quantify the gain. It's end of January. Every, not everybody. A large percentage of the people set a goal January 1st. Like, this is my New Year's resolution. And they're looking and saying, man, my goal is to lose 20 pounds. They've lost seven. Well, guess what? Concentrate on the gap. You've lost seven pounds. Don't give up now. You have the rest of the year to get 13 off. But too many people are like, man, I've already got behind. I can't do it now. You got to live in that gap. Yeah. And especially in savings, if your goal is to save $10,000 this year, say so your goal is that I'm going to save 10000 in the first month of the year. Your furnace went out during the super cold weather. And then you had an ice dam on your roof from the snow, you might be negative right now. Don't give up. Just say, Hey, the good news was I had an emergency fund. So I haven't missed out on, on the savings. Like just concentrate on what you're doing good. If you've been saving up a thousand bucks a month and that thousand had to go to fix something big deal, you're still doing the execution it takes to be successful. So with that said, I, I want to watch every, or I want to thank everybody for watching the show, listening to the show. If you're still trying to get 2024 started off on the right foot, go to btwellshow.com, get your personalized financial plan, or click the link in the description. I want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you tune in next week. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. 
The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks including possible loss of principal. Dollar cost averaging involves continuous investment in securities. Regardless of fluctuation in price levels of such securities, an investor should consider their ability to continue purchasing through fluctuating price levels. Such a plan does not assure profit and does not protect against loss.